You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, at Not of the Scribe. And if you're not mad at me for being quiet this weekend, you can still follow me <laughs> on Twitter <laughs> at Walker Mail. I got some people in the mentions and I apologize for that. Uh, what happened was I was busy, you know, help. It was my mom's birthday. It's yes. actually today. So happy birthday, moms. Um, anyways, so doing i was hanging out with her this weekend and then i saw the news come in she lives in boone and her internet mm-hmm. connection's not great and then so i see this come in and then it's late and then i was like oh my god what kind of thoughts can i try to bring together and then it's kind of late and then there's a lot to fit in with this and 280 mm-hmm. characters so i know people were saying hey quit keeping us waiting you know stop i shout out to david walker who tweeted at me i apologize there i know a couple of people so anyways yes I was quiet, but uh, I'm not going to be quiet here. That would make for a pretty boring podcast. So me and Nod are about to go in on it. Um, maybe not angry all the way, just kind of go in no. on the discussion on this Gordon Hayward signing. So Nod, I'll start because you were vocal on Twitter. Yes. Uh, it seemed, as you usually do, mentally wrestling at first. I think you were going through the stages once again. I, do you think that you're like the perfect example of a therapist saying <laughs> these are the five stages of grief? <laughs> do you think, yeah, yes. Like, Do you think like people point to Kanata Edwards when they say, okay, this is what you're going to go through. And then it's just basically anything that big that happens like you, I think you are the perfect embodiment of what goes on in the five stages of grief. Uh, you know what? I would be happy to to role model that out. Hope did that. So <laughs> hopefully you won't have to go through that. That's I'm okay with that. Like that again, if that's going to be me, I will be that. I am not ashamed to be that. I um, quite honestly, I did go through the five stages of grief, uh, except again, actually, no, it's six. Because it's second half. Is it six? Panic. I didn't know what the actual numbers were. Five just sounded like a good one to settle on. I couldn't name them all to you. No, no, no. It's really five. But with Hornets fandom, it's like it's six. It's uh-huh. six. Because you have that secondhand embarrassment of, damn it, you know everybody's going to crush us for this one. So so it's five. It's five. One is denial. Two is anger. Three is bargaining. Four is depression. And five is acceptance. And it's always fun to see you get to the acceptance <laughs> part because we have a journey before we get there with you, <laughs> yes, Nada. Yes, but we, we eventually get to the acceptance stage. And I feel like you're going to exhibit that here on today's podcast. Let's get to it, Nada. So for me, here's my overall thought. Nada, I generally don't like being in the business of making bad deals. Yeah. And I have to tell you that I don't feel comfortable with Hayward at four years, $120 million being a good deal. And mm-hmm. you're absolutely betting on Gordon Hayward with this move. And it mm-hmm. shrinks the margin of error because you have $30 million a year locked in on one player who gets you to a playoff contention, but never really a playoff series win. And now you have to find a star using your 11th draft pick again, if that all goes well. When it comes to the value of this thing, not, I don't know if I've seen one person and not one disagree that Hayward is not worth $120 million over four years. I haven't seen one person think that that's an adequate contract or, or the contract that he deserves. If you are pro this signing, then you're not arguing that he's worth it. 
the arguments I've seen have been the Hornets are a small market team that has to overpay for these stars because they don't have a shot at the big names. Number two, in the pro signing, especially if you're not going to be players next year because everyone will have cap space, you sign Gordon Hayward um, because having all that free cap space and not being able to get anybody else on this team diminishes the value of your free books anyway. And I'll admit that it's not a huge over overpay if Zach Lowe was discussing the numbers he heard being around 100 to 108 to 110 between Indiana and Boston, but it doesn't mean in principle that he's not getting overpaid here. And so I can understand that the Hornets are not going to be players in free agency and that that might even leave them a little bit more susceptible to overspending for some of the leftovers in next year's free agency, which would also be bad. But Mitch Kupchak says it all the time, Nada. There are three ways to improve your team via the draft, via free agency, and via trade. Well, the reverse of that is true as well. You can, you can decrease the competence of your team mm -hmm. with the same three ways. It's perpetually missing on the NBA draft. It's making bad NBA trades, and it's giving out bad deals in free agency. Now, when you're talking about the draft, I'm a little bit more lenient with that because, yes, if you have a big sample size of bad draft history, then it kills it, and you've proven that you can't draft very well, and you continue to bet on guys that you miss on. I'm not saying we absolve them from responsibility. All I'm saying is no one can predict the future. Everybody has a ton of these misses. Mm -hmm. But when you give, back, when you give out bad contracts... If it's not because of a surprising injury, and maybe sometimes it can be fit that the contracts turn bad, but man, like, I don't know if I, how many times we ever see a contract that we think isn't good, that it actually turns out to be really good. Even in Terry Rozier's case, Nada, where I didn't think that it was a good contract and he actually played closer to the value of that than most people thought. I still don't know if anybody is saying, yep, he's absolutely worth $18 million a year. Maybe there's some out there, but I still don't know if anybody's saying he's absolutely worth that kind of money. And I generally, as an NBA team, I just don't want to be in the business of handing out bad contracts. And this looks a lot like a bad overpaid contract to Gordon Hayward. I, you're not wrong. Like, I want to disagree with you and say, no, this is good, but... Let, let, let's go through the five stages, shall we? You brought them up. Let's bro. My first initial reaction is, what the hell? I'm I'm thinking because again, this goes against everything that Mitch has talked about for the last eighteen months, and we've had this discussion multiple times. A lot of this goes against everything that they've gone. So it becomes that second hand embarrassment of, oh God, Michael's just meddling again. Mm -hmm. And what, then, and, and yeah, go ahead. And then from there, I started to, like, and so this, and mind you, I was mad for a good, I was mad until about eight, nine o'clock Sunday morning. <laughs> I, Cause again, that ruined my day. I, I'm not even going to lie to you. That, that honestly ruined my day where it got interesting for me and where I started. Again, I started seeing that. Okay. This kind of makes sense is when you start looking at where a lot of these mid-tier free agents are going. Because, because again, Friday night, for context, Montrez Harrell took less money to stay to go with the Lakers. Didn't want to come home, would have taken gotten more money, probably a better tax break, but chose to less money to stay with the Lakers. Okay. Harry Giles took a minimum deal a again league minimum deal which is probably less than a million dollars 
and chose to play basically not even the backup center in Portland, but is the third emergency center. He chose that over probably what was going to be a lucrative contract from Charlotte. He chose not to come here. We're seeing teams, we're seeing players in the CBA start saying, we're not going to be a part of your experiment as you rebuild. We are, again, look at a guy like Lance, Langston Galloway, who, as of this recording, is signing with the Phoenix Suns. He could have gone a whole bunch of other places with thirsty that are thirsty for three and D wings. He went to Phoenix. They're loaded over there. Think about how many playoff teams are absolutely loaded and took on guys and took out took on guys essentially that want to play for playoff teams. With this, what I'm trying to get at is CB the CBA being what it is. No one wants to be an experiment, especially. No one wants to be a part of that experiment when you're not making that much money. They are going to go for the guaranteed thing. They're going to go for the established thing. So if that's going to be the case, then the Hornets had to establish some sort of credibility. Where I have the issue is signing Gordon Hayward to a four-year $120 million deal does not sound like establishing credibility. That's the problem I have. Well, and and just to go to some of the exceptions of, you know, when you're willing to overpay for a guy, you know, I honestly think the Boston Celtics were a team that, that I mean, they do get worse. And I heard Zach Lowe mention that. And I completely agree. It's something I, I taught. I was thinking before, you know, even from the Boston Celtics standpoint, you know, the Celtics get worse without Gordon Hayward. They can go after Tristan Thompson. And I actually kind of like that signing for Boston. And I get that one but they get worse without Gordon Hayward. So you hope that he opts in, even though if, even if 34 million is too much for one season, even if you could have gotten him to agree to a two or three year, $30 million deal, Gordon Hayward could have helped them next season. And that's a worse basketball team in the East. And so I could understand it for their situation. But when you're talking about Gordon Hayward being good enough in my eyes, like the, he fits well, we're going to get to the pros in the next segment. And we'll get to the cons and we'll get there in this in, in a moment. But when you're talking about you know Gordon Hayward's roster fit here, like he does fit. I mean, he he really he is a good basketball fit. But in the situation that the Charlotte Hornets are in right now, I mean, what it makes more sense to me, what is the less risky play, which I I don't want to defy the odds at this point. Like I want to just go ahead and tell me what the the best odds are, and the best odds are losing again getting another high draft pick and what is a stacked NBA draft class. If you can get one of those top three, four guys, then that would be amazing once again this season. And you'd have a lot more cap space that would allow you to, you know, continue to be free. Like cap space allows you to be free. It doesn't mean that you're going to be better, but allows you to be free. And if Gordon Hayward's contract is bad, then what could, what could happen is you play musical bad contracts again, like we've already done. So we'll get into some of the cons and the pros, but first I'm going to talk about a big pro and that's built bar built bar has amazing flavors, six new ones, 12 original ones. Their bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And not only are they delicious, they're great for the health conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and they're great for the keto diet. You get a free cooler with your purchase as well. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. We'll take a quick break. We'll talk about the pros. If we were to be forced into talking about the pros of this contract and this edition, what would we say? You'll find out next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. 
This is Locked on Hornets. You give me a new adjective. God, you're just messing this up. I, I, you know, <laughs> I just I spend this some time away from the show, and you're still the same old walker. All right, yeah, <laughs> give me a new adjective and give me a plural well, noun. I, well, I, I've already thought of my plural noun now that you mentioned it. How about, uh, well, I don't even know if this is plural. How about grape jelly? Does that work? Grape oh jelly is the noun I was going to get. A plural noun! This isn't hard! It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Coming up this week on Locked on Hornets, we're going to discuss our draft pick, focusing on each selection with one episode. We'll also update you on any info that comes from a potential sign and trade in the Gordon Hayward acquisition. And we don't have all of those details yet. So that's what we'll be discussing coming up this week on the podcast. Also, just to note for you guys that we're only going to be doing three shows this week in light of Thanksgiving break. So we're not going to have Thursday or Friday shows available for you. We will do a Monday, a Tuesday, and a Wednesday show, though. So that's what's coming up this week on the Hornets podcast. Nada, I just mentioned the potential details that could come about on this sign and trade. Um, We don't have them all yet. So this was reported a couple of days ago. This was reported Saturday that the Charlotte Hornets were going to acquire Gordon Hayward. Hayward confirmed it with his Twitter post that he put out there, excited to be a Charlotte Hornet and, and doing that thing. The reason we don't know the sign-and-trade, um, we, we don't know if there is a potential sign-and-trade because it was first reported by Rick Bennell that the Hornets would wave and stretch Nick Batum. And what happens when you do that is you times however many years are left on someone's current deal by two, and then you add another one and stretch the salary evenly between the years that you come to with that equation, which would mean that because Nick Batum is making $27 million in the last last year of his contract, what would happen now is he would stretch that across three years and you would have to pay him $9 million. This is stupid. I don't know why the Charlotte (laughs) Hornets would be doing this. It makes absolutely zero sense. And it is amazing how Nick Batum will be the contract that is on the Hornets books until I die. I don't know why this is the thing, but for some reason, this is what Michael Jordan and uh, basically, I mean, I would have to imagine it's Michael Jordan um, and, and why he would decide to do this. But not a hero where we get to the good stuff. Yes. But if Terry Rozier is thrown into a sign and trade or Cody Zeller. Yeah. You said it, not me. Like uh, for me, it's, it's Terry Rozier that makes this a lot better because if Cody Zeller is still on the roster, then that's an expiring contract that could bring back some value by itself. And I think it could bring back more value than what Terry Rogier's two years left on his deal could do. So we don't know what's going to go out there in a potential sign and trade. People have been trying to read Terry Rogier's Instagram posts like crazy, including me. Like I'm absolutely in the group with everyone. So I'm not making fun of everyone. And if I am, I'm making fun of myself. Like, oh, you know, he's, he's got his bags packed. What's he doing? Is he leaving? Oh, now he's got the Mint City jersey that is his with the Rogier three on it. That means he's staying. I'm better off just not looking at the Instagram post anymore. So I'll talk about it as if that didn't exist. Terry, I'm sorry we deleted your Instagram account. So if Terry Rogier is thrown into a sign and trade, then this becomes a lot better for me, mainly because you allow the young players who have a shot of becoming contributors in your backcourt to get all of the minutes. Lamelo, Devontae, Malik, Cody Martin, maybe Riller becomes a thing. So that's all good. And Nada, you get off two years of a contract that is still too much, especially with the players you have at one and two. Terry makes 19 million and 18 million the next two seasons. We've defended Terry. I, I, I like what Terry did for this team for the most part. 
Um, he's still not a good defender. I think he's better than the awful defensive analytics point to, but he's mm-hmm. still not good in my opinion. I don't know if we can cert- I don't know if we can continue to count on him hitting at the volume that he did this season. No. I do think his catch and shoot ability is real, but mm-hmm. in the end, if you send Terry Rozier back, that makes a ton of sense to me. Hayward at that point, I think really does help the development of all those guys I just mentioned. He and Devontae can both shoot for LaMelo to set them both up. He doesn't impede with anyone's minutes a ton except McDaniels and Miles a little bit, but I think you can make that up. I think you can get over that. Regardless, he does fit well on the roster really in any scenario. And disregarding the contract, he fits well basketball-wise. And real quickly, just a couple more points and the good ways this ends up, the, the benefits of this. LaMelo gets all-star consideration next season. PJ or, you know, not this season, but the next season, like he's, he's becoming an all-star, maybe a Donovan Mitchell kind of growth, if you will. Yes. Oh, he's the real deal pretty immediately and only expounds upon those abilities. PJ improves this season. Mile is good off of the bench. Malik is good enough to use as trade bait or just good enough to keep in the rotation. Like that, that's a lot to ask though. I, I'm not that saying is. it's possible. And, and that's the reason why I tend more like just, the Hornets would have been better off not having done anything with, with one of these big contracts. Christian Wood making some of these savvy moves would have been the way to go, in my opinion, because that's asking a lot. I'm not saying it's not impossible, though. So th- that's the way that that the good things happen from the signing. What do you think, Nada? I am. I think the good things from the signing are, like you said, it streamlines the roster, especially if a Rozier is dealt. I like the streamlining of this roster. I like what they can do. I also think that with the play-in game, with the play-in tournament, like I do think they threaten for that. Despite the fact that, hey, Atlanta's there and Indiana's still going to be a beast to deal with. I do like this. I, I do like this signing. The only issue that you have is the money. And even then, it's not the not your money. Like I get where this is. I get everything it makes sense it fits it continues on a plan of mitch saying we're going to add free agents when we can and when it makes sense this makes sense like the player makes sense more than the money now if they make the money make sense to a degree and like you said they end up still with 43 million dollars of expirings yo this works then you're in there like swimwear so at what point does like I I want to be excited about this. The only thing that you ever worry about, and we're gonna get to it at that point, is what if it goes sideways. But in terms of what this works for, this works for getting people excited because quite honestly, when you start thinking about something like this, you this is a naked attempt at basically someone trying the, the hornets trying to take advantage of there being no stars in Charlotte right now and having a guy with 5.7 million Instagram followers and striking while the iron is hot, this figures out to be the way, the best way that they can do it right now. That all means basically, and I want to use this as a transition, all of the things that I just said, right, where you see real growth from this team and Gordon Hayward actually is pretty close to the level of the value of his contract and the players all improve not I still don't see them getting anywhere past the sixth seed at most, which is a real okay. problem because then that takes you out of the lottery. And that only makes the margin for error that much more slim that you just can't afford to do it. And as I mentioned earlier, here we are picking 
the, you know, the 11th, 12th, and now out of the lottery, if they make the playoffs, you're talking about the 17th pick in the NBA draft. And that's going to be tough to hit on and use as a pillar that you build around. Yes, it's not impossible. People will use the, I mean, people say the same stuff that they do about the anti-tanking argument. What about Giannis? What about Kawhi Leonard? What about Paul George? What about, you know, all of these guys that weren't selected? Okay, yes, for sure. It's in the truest sense of the lottery, though, when you're talking about those guys, you know, like you're, you're trying to cash in on a ticket. <laughs> I mean, and, and so that that's always really tough to do. So when we talk about the pros and all these guys improve and Gordon Hayward actually actually plays the level of his contract that basically means that you have to be good enough to beat the bucks. Like I, I want to win a playoff series, right? Like yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to make the playoffs. If you're going to get there, then compete for a playoff series win. And what that means is you would have to compete or beat the bucks, the Celtics, mm-hmm the heat or the nets. And I'm giving that kind of like a two year window, right? Like it doesn't have to be this season, but the next couple, I mean, this season, yeah, kind of too, when you're talking about taking yourself out of position for one of the top guys in this draft class, but even just the next two years, if you win a playoff series because of Gordon Hayward next season, then okay. If you think one of those teams flounder that I mentioned or suffers injuries, then you have to believe you're better than the 76ers, who I think did a really good job this offseason. Mm-hmm. The Pacers, who I still have in front. Toronto, who I still have in front. And that makes the grand total of teams I feel really good about being better than the Hornets this year, Nada. It's seven. Not to mention that the Hawks have a playoff or bust mandate with a mm-hmm. star already in place and an offseason that brought in quite a few guys that can help. You throw in Orlando, and this is a team that's looking to battle for the eight, seven, six seed, and then inevitably get bounced in the first round. We literally just went through that being the highlight for the Hornets a few seasons back. 2016, we got beat in the first round, but that was competitive and we were all feeling good. And we were so desperate to get back to that. We didn't even make the playoffs, but if we would have, right? Like we were a game out with Kimba's last year here in Charlotte of making the playoffs. And if you would have gone to the playoffs in the first round, you would have gotten swept. I think Orlando won one game and then they got mm-hmm. beat by the Raptors after that. I believe that's what happened, if I'm not mistaken. So, oh, Miami? Yeah, yeah I do remember uh, that. Okay, excuse me. So anyway, there you go. Like I, that That's the problem that I have with this. And then we can go into a little bit more of the bad ways that this can go. Um, just to kind of look and cover all the bases with the Gordon Hayward acquisition. You're listening to the Lockdown Hornets podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. Decoys all over the place. They've got everybody down at the rim. Ball goes into biz. They do like an XFL style where the wide receiver runs to the line of scrimmage, except it's with Devontae Graham. He picks up a foul. I don't care what you say, Nate McMillan. More like Nate McVillain. Get out of here. Quit whining about the officials. You got plenty of calls. The Hornets got a call at the end of the game. I thought it was fair. Hornets win. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Listen to Locked On NBA on Mondays. Josh Lloyd, host of our wildly popular Locked On Fantasy Basketball, takes you around NBA's major headlines with the help of our local experts. You can subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, you can check me out. I just talked with Josh Lloyd yesterday, and I believe he released that podcast. So, you know, Nada, we were up against the break. I went to the third segment, but what did you have to, um, what came to mind for you when just talking about the other teams that they'll be up against in the Eastern Conference this year, next year, the longevity of some of those teams, just your overall thoughts on the transition that I had? Yeah, well, if you're going to transition, the one thing I should have said before we transition is if you end up the 10 seed and in that playoffs, uh, playoff again, play in tournament, and you get bounced. You still have a decent shot at the at a 
pick in a what yeah, is it the 10 seed i mean look at what the hornets did this year i think they yeah, were exactly. just behind the wizards if i'm not they, they were the last team were they the last team no no that was with the bubble invitations but washington yeah. was the only team above them that was the joke they finished one spot worse the year that they did not have kimba just one <laughs> so so you're yeah right. like you're right about that so i get it like i get a lot of this i understand Like, again, there's a lot of this that I understand. I understand everybody's disappointment. And again, I'm more tilted to the what happens if this all goes wrong. And this is where you are absolutely right in your transition. Like, this has the potential to be a four-year, again, in the four years of Gordon Hayward's contract, you have the potential of maybe making the playoffs, wait, one or two years, maybe. And that depends if Giannis leaves the East. And even then, that becomes a dicey, dicey proposition. So if we're talking about a team that, like, if, again, can you say successfully that going to the playoffs two of the four years would be a success if you spent all this money and it hamstrings you? Because as we've seen, the smart way to do these things, the smart way to do all of these small market things ends up being doing the trades. Look at Memphis. Memphis made a whole bunch of savvy trades. Look at the Iguodala trade. They ended up getting a first round pick and they ended up getting Justice Winslow, who has yet to pay dividends for them. That's a team that you worry about. That's a team that is built for long-term success. That's the team that could make that chance on a, on a Gordon Hayward. And yet they haven't. So that's the stuff that you kind of worry about when we have these discussions about what Charlotte is. So, yeah, just continuing to look at the bad ways this goes. We just mentioned it. Gordon is good this season. He helps this team get just good enough to get to a seven or eight seed, and then they get beaten five games in the first round of the playoffs. That causes you to have to hit in the later lottery or outside the lottery, which is the truest sense of the word lottery, because you're hoping to cash in on that ticket with lower odds. Another way is not a he's not good. and you have a bad contract for four years that you're basically playing musical bad contracts over the next few seasons with exactly like you did with Plumlee, Dwight Howard, Mozgov, and Bismack Biombo, which they actually brought back. And we could talk about that in a moment, but it finally, that contract just came off of the books, except this time, instead of playing musical contracts with a $17 million a year deal, you're playing it with a $30 million a year deal. And you're just basically saying, here's a bad contract for um, here's, here's mine for yours. He gets hurt too. Not a, like, this is someone that has an injury history. You can say, Oh, it was a fluke injury. The first game that he played with the Boston Celtics and okay. Yeah, that's true. But he came back the following season averaged just over 11 points per game. Didn't shoot well from three. Okay. You get rid of that year. And I think he played 72 games though last season. Okay, cool. We just saw him have, I believe, a couple of injuries this season. I think he played 52 games. I've got his stats up right here. I'm just going to pull up the tab. So, yeah, Gordon Hayward plays 52 games. I think he missed, you know, something close to 20, probably missed like 15, something like that. We know that he got hurt in the playoffs. And so this is a player that you're bringing on on the other side of 30 with an injury history. And you look at his numbers. He's a good player. Like Gordon Hayward, he, he is a good basketball player. He shot 50%. He shot 38% from three. Uh, so you, you see those stats and you like it. His volume is going to go up this season. So he won't shoot 50% from the field again. He shot 38% from three. As I mentioned, he scored 18 a game as the fourth option. So he was damn efficient, but not again. Like I expect the field goal percentage as a whole to go down. I don't quite know what to make of his three point shooting. It, it's been a weird career for him there. Yeah. 
He's been all over the place. Like overall, if you made me guess, if you made me put money down, I would say I feel pretty comfortable. He'll shoot at least 36, 37%, which is good. And you'll take that, especially from a guy that's going to get the kind of volume he does. But it's it's never like held true every single year at 36%. Like we can go, if we, if we disregard his rookie season, these are the percentages that he shot from beyond the perimeter and all but um, that 27, 2018. 2017, 2018 year, that's the year he got hurt. So we can disregard that as well. But his second year, he shot 35% from three. The next year he shot 42%. The next year he shot 30%. The next year he thought shot 36. Next year, 35. Boom. Next year, 40. Then the year after his injury, he shot 30, uh, 33 to be exact. And then last year he shot 38. So his career overall is 36, but you saw how much he kind of bounced back and forth. Yeah. I, I just... I hope that he can shoot 36 or above throughout his career, right? Like I'm I'm hoping that career three-point percentage can hold true. And I think that happens, but there are ways that this goes bad. And I would have to lean like, what are, what's the most likely thing to happen? In my opinion, not a, there are more bad outcomes with this signing than there are good. No, and you're right. And we haven't even talked about what if they're forced to stretch Nick Batum to where now you've paying $40 million and like literally there you're going to have to now now we're talking about potentially just if you're paying 40 million dollars for Gordon Hayward's first 3 years essentially that's bad no matter how you slice it it's poor it's poor asset management at best and now you're hamstringing yourself to the point where i don't know what you do like yeah. I, I don't know yeah. And well, so, and, and just to look at some other things here, like when, when you're talking about Nick Batum, you know, again, we saw this first reported by Rick Bennell. And then I think we saw Adam Himmelsbeck say, hold on, there might be a sign and trade still in the works. And that would make a lot of sense because the Charlotte Hornets and the Boston Celtics, oh, oh the, certainly both of them would mm-hmm. benefit from them actually working out a sign and trade with the Hornets. You wouldn't have to have Nick Batum's contract on your books for the next three years at nine minutes. Like that's not small. <laughs> I mean, nine, nine million a year. It, it's, it's not small. Like it just makes zero sense to stretch this thing out for the next three years. I just don't get it. Just freaking send Terry Rozier to Boston. If, if Boston's not buying it, then even sending back, I mean, I don't want to send Cody back. I think that would be bad too, but I know the Hornets are, are there's been some kind of rumblings that they're trying to send Nick Batum back. I, I don't Boston. I don't see how that happened. Right. Well, they're going to need a third. They're going to need a third team to try to free up some space because 27 is a lot anyway. And, you know, maybe you can get some picks back from Boston too, because I know Boston fans, we talked with Gary Washburn of the globe on the wake up call today. And he's like, yeah, fans aren't happy. <laughs> I mean, there, there were these rumblings that, um, you know, the Pacers were going to get him. I thought that's where he was going to go. I think most people had Gordon yeah. Hayward going back home and playing in good old Indiana um, with Miles Turner and Doug McDermott being discussed, but apparently the Celtics, and this was reported by Washburn, I believe, the Celtics were wanting to get Miles Turner and TJ Warren or Victor Oladipo, and the yeah. Pacers just weren't willing to do that because they view Warren, especially after the bubble, as a pillar of that organization. You listen to Zach Lowe's podcast, Nada, and apparently Boston didn't really want Miles Turner, who's got, which is wild, which makes me. no sense to me. Yeah. That part that, that, never made sense to me. You're right. You're right. Like I thought, Oh my God, Boston, I, I would imagine they just do this deal just to get 
Miles Turner. They're always talking about how they need more size. You get a three-point shooting big guy that is one of the better defenders at that position, and you don't have to relinquish size. Even if Daniel Tice was pretty good, Miles Turner is someone that can come in and help, and yet that's what Zach Lowe was talking about on his podcast today. And then you discuss, okay, well, if, if they take on Terry Rozier... Like maybe that limits the possibility of that happening because Miles is making eighteen million dollars a year the next three seasons. Terry is doing that for the next two. You would think even with the extra year, you'd rather just take Miles Turner in that scenario, but they didn't. So, like, I just I don't know what either of these teams are doing in that front, right? Like, I've seen the conspiracy theory about Mitch Kupchak leaking that <laughs> that mm-hmm. he's just going to stretch and uh, or wave and stretch Nick Batum. And then it's like, oh, you know, Boston's like, well, shit, we need to get something out of this or we're going to look like yeah. fools. And so, you know, I, I'm hoping that that's that's my best case scenario out of all of this. Nada. If you send back Terry Rozier and a sign and trade, then I look at this. I mean, a decent amount differently. I, I'd still I still don't want that contract on the books, but I do look at this, you know, in in, in, in a pretty decent light, like a lot better than what it is now. But, you know, the odds of that happening, I can't say they're good um, because we, we just don't know the details on it right now. Yeah, you're right about that. But here's something that I want to throw at everybody right now. If you're talking about sending Terry Rozier back, at what point do we start looking at this as the as players looking at the Hornets organization as not keeping their word? I understand that this is a business. I understand that this is a lot of different things, but at some point you have to honor, do right by the players that you sign. You have to be loyal to the players that you sign. And Terry Rozier left Boston for a reason. I don't think he wants to go back. If you do this, I'm telling you, this will ruin your, again, we talk about credibility. I spent a lot of the first segment mentioning that the Hornets have no credibility. Sending Terry Rozier back doesn't do anything for your rep in establishing uh, uh, credibility, especially considering what happened with Kemba Walker the year before. That matters. A lot of this matters. And when we start talking about guys wanting to start here, stay here, this, that, and the third, I understand that you probably have a five-year window with LaMelo Ball. If he turns out to be everything that he's billed to be, you have a five-year window to build around him and to win significantly to keep him here. I understand that. But at what point does it cost you basically what's remaining of the integrity of this franchise? That's yeah. the question I have. No, and, and I, I get that. I get that Terry Rozier would be upset. I, I wonder how much, though, because you said there are reasons that he left Boston, and we know how that went, but... A lot of that was Kyrie Irving, right? Like, I mean, I think a lot of that was Kyrie. We know Kimba's we not going to have any problems. I think it may be Kyrie. I, I think, think it is, though. I mean, we had kind of heard. Didn't Terry Rozier kind of talk about that on, not first take, but one of these debate shows. I forget what it was. But Terry Rozier kind of mentioned that there was, you know, problems of, you know, Terry, how, how much he had to sacrifice. And a lot of that was because of Kyrie. Now, maybe he has to do that again because Kimba's the starter. You know, okay, understood. Um, but it, certainly you have to imagine Kimba gets along better with the Terry Rozier than what Kyrie does, who takes a flamethrower to his relationships really anywhere he goes. So uh, that's kind of a, a look at Gordon Hayward's contract. We still have a bunch to get to in the next couple of days before we have our Thanksgiving break. We always appreciate you guys listening to Locked on Hornets. And thanks again to Bill Barr for supporting the show. Always appreciate you guys supporting the show. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on NBA, Hollinger and Duncan, uh, really any show on the Locked on Podcast Network. Have a great day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.